Welcome back, everybody, to The Luke Beasley Show. I hope you're doing wonderful on this Saturday. This is the bonus show, but we're going to make it available to everyone this week, just so if you're not already a member, you can kind of get a taste, get a sense of what the bonus show is like, and decide if you want to go to patreon.com slash Beasley and become a member where you would get access to the weekly bonus show as well as the full video version of the show. Um, and the full show comes out hours before all the clips are able to be uploaded to the YouTube channel publicly. And so you kind of get that whole um, full batch of the content very quickly, which is nice as well. So with all that being said, let's dive into today's stories. We talked about on yesterday's show the fact that a suspected Chinese surveillance balloon had been spotted at the time it was over Montana. It has now been shot down. And we will talk about the Fox News coverage of this and how before it was shot down, they were very critical of Biden saying that he's kind of the sense was he's weak and so he's not going to shoot down the balloon or he's not shooting down the balloon. But the reason um, and then we'll get to a video of it being shot down. But the reason it wasn't initially shot out of the sky by the U.S. military was because it was over an area that debris could land on people or property, kill somebody serious right and so they wanted to wait until it was over water but again we will get to the fox news critical response to that in a second first here is the video australia the other thing is we have to upgun taiwan if we've learned anything out of the ukraine war because we weren't able to d deter it and most everything that the ukrainians general are using King, now we general brought King, in excuse after me the if you, i'm not sure Pardon me, General Kane. Again, I interrupt you because I'm not sure if you can see this, but this we have a live shot now of this balloon going down. This balloon has been taken oh, down. It is now falling from the sky there over Surfside Beach, South Carolina. So uh, your reaction to this, sir? Yeah, I'm watching it. Well, first of all, well done. So at that point, it was over water and was a much more safe option um, to take it down. And then before, also before the Fox News stuff, here is Biden's response. Lieberman, thank you so much. Uh, Juliet Kayam is back. Oh, well, there's the president right there. Let's uh, listen in. When I was briefed on the balloon, I ordered the Pentagon to shoot it down on Wednesday as soon as possible. They decided without doing damage to anyone on, on the ground. They decided that the best time to do that was it got over water outside within our within 12 mile limit. They successfully took it down and I want to compliment our aviators who did it and we'll have more to report on this uh, a little later. Thank you. So as we talked about yesterday um, when initially discussing the uh, presence of the balloon, the idea would be China gathering information on nuclear silo sites where they would want to know a little bit more information about those and then here was kind of the talk that was going on on fox news about this one of the hosts saying essentially china has something on biden so that's why he's not shooting down the balloon this is humiliating to the american people and the american people are going why is this happening and you said Rightfully so. It is literally a trial balloon. And they're testing Joe Biden. Um, and they're saying, how much do we have over this guy that he is willing to do nothing? That is my, pr I mean, I, I can't imagine why else. I have to believe that the people in our military want to shoot that down. Really quickly, why? 
So it's not because they have dirt on Biden. Instead, it's because of this. How big is the balloon that you're tracking? And is it, have you guys picked up, is it leaving anything in its wake like sensors? Yeah, so uh, so on your latter uh, question, I'm not, I'm not going to get into intelligence. Um, we, we do continue to monitor the balloon. We do know that it is a surveillance balloon. Um, in terms of the size, I'm, I'm not able to get into the specifics other than to say uh, that it is big enough uh, that, again, uh, in reviewing uh, our approach, we do recognize that uh, any potential debris field would be significant uh, and potentially cause civilian uh, injuries or deaths uh, or significant property damage. Right. So just willy-nilly shooting it down um, over an area that the debris could land on people or property, as he said, would be irresponsible. But there's so much coverage on Fox News that I was coming across and just didn't have the energy to actually watch once again for the show. You got a taste of it in that one clip, but everything has to be outrageous when it comes to Biden. Everything's terrible. And he's doing this because China is um, in control of him instead of just waiting for the military to say, okay, now it's safe, which is what happened. And now it has been shot down, which is the correct move. China shouldn't be um, having a surveillance balloon over sensitive sites in the United States, and it's perfectly reasonable that they made the decision to do what they did when they did it. Well, Donald Trump has released a video on the subject of the Russia-Ukraine war, and I want to walk through it. Um, so much dishonesty here, and we will talk about it. Take a look. A major disaster is brewing. If I were president, the Russia-Ukraine war would never have happened, never in a million years. But even now, if I were president, I'd be able to negotiate an end to this horrible and rapidly escalating war within 24 hours. It can be done. You have to say the right things, not the wrong things. I think we helped lead Russia into that war by saying, well, if they took a small part of the country, that would be okay. Such a tragic waste of human life. When you look at all that's happening there, those cities are obliterated. First comes the tanks, and then come... So we'll watch kind of the second half in a second, but to break down that first half, again, doing what he did in the interview yesterday that we looked at, taking the agency away from Putin, taking the responsibility off of Putin's shoulders, saying... He was kind of led into it. The United States, in a sense, provoked him into invading Ukraine. That is so false and, again, is clearly purposefully taking away the responsibility from Putin, which is where it needs to lie. And it's so dishonest to do that. And then this thing I've heard a lot recently where people will pretend that the United States' support of Ukraine is the same as choosing to continue the war for the purposes of some other reason than just helping Ukraine defend itself. And so Trump there is saying all of this carnage is being caused because United, the United States doesn't want peace. Putin doesn't want peace. Putin could bring this to an end by ending his invasion. The United States is not going to just not help Ukraine and allow them to have even more devastation brought on uh, to their citizens and to their country. And so 
the conversation has to be, yes, we want peace, but until Putin and Russia bring forward a reasonable proposition of, of peace, then we're going to help Ukraine defend itself. Um, and then, of course, the silly, in 24 hours, I could bring this to an end. And I have the two words I could say that would mm, magically make it happen, or the few things I would have to say that would bring this uh, to a peaceful conclusion. And of course, not providing specifics because he doesn't have any. And then what I said on yesterday's show, when he made a similar point during an interview, if he actually had the magic words, then he would be telling us he's choosing not to call up Biden and tell him those magic words, <laughs> right? Um, which would be horrible. Now, of course, he doesn't have magic words because it's much more complicated than that. And come the nukes. Get this crazy war ended now. It can be done. And in fact, it's easy to get done. When I'm president, we will be a strong country again. People will never be playing these games like they've been doing to the United States of America. They don't respect us anymore. They respected us greatly two and a half years ago. They don't respect us anymore. Thank you very much. And actually, uh, public opinion of the United States globally is much better now than it was under Trump. But this dishonest portrayal of the um, situation with Russia invading Ukraine by Trump and others is so aggravating and counterproductive. Because as long as we're talking about that, this simple, easy way that he won't say that this could all come to an end, we're not having a realistic conversation about how do we see this ending and what are we going to do as a country in the meantime um, to help and support Ukraine. And then it's apologizing for Russia. It's covering for Russia, saying it's the United States choosing to continue the war. It's Biden choosing to continue the war, when in reality, it's the decisions of Putin and Russia, um, the Russian government, that are continuing this war that is completely unjustified. And Trump's covering for that. Glenn uh, Kirshner had an interesting take on the grand jury investigation that has now concluded into Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election in Georgia and the fact that indictments are likely coming, but then specifically what may happen if indictments indeed um, do come down. Uh, let's talk about the, the time frames of possible pro prosecutions. I think we have to start with Fawnie Willis because when she stood up in court a couple of weeks ago and she said two really important things. She said, Judge, you can't release the grand jury report, which recommends, I'm quite sure, prosecuting any number of people for any number of violations of Georgia state law. You can't release it because it would impact the defendants, plural. And she made a point in several different ways of saying defendants, plural. It would interfere with their right to a fair trial. You don't say that. The only way you become a defendant is if you're going to be indicted. She's not reckless or careless with her words. That signals indictments are coming. Then she went on to say, and our prosecutorial, our charging decisions are imminent, not a casual word. Imminent has to mean weeks to, to my way of thinking. It could mean months. It sounds like weeks, right? And we do know the regular grand jury came back into session to make these decisions beginning on January 24th. 
So we're in good shape. It feels like indictments are imminent in Georgia. That's probably. And, you know, Dean, I have to say, you know, with Donald Trump now posting and reposting calls to violence, specifically one of his supporters said, I will fight for him if he is not made president again. I will fight for him until the day I die. We are locked and loaded. And Donald Trump reposted it. Here's what I predict, Dean. The day Donald Trump is indicted and is scheduled to appear for an arraignment on that indictment, his first court appearance, he will post, come to Atlanta on the day of my arraignment, will be wild. And here we go again. Let's see if DOJ gives him the opportunity to launch a second violent attack. I sure hope not. It is a major, major concern. And he is quite aware of this weapon, essentially, he has. And he is not hmm, moral enough to choose not to use it, which is the movement, the massive population of people that he has behind him. And too many of them are quite willing to do acts of violence, even to defend their dear leader. And so it frightens me to think if January 6th happened because he lost an election. What's going to happen if he's charged with the crime, if it looks like he's going to prison? Um, and all of that still is just hypothetical. And it is hard for me to think of a world where he actually goes to prison, prison. But even just him being charged with the crime could definitely spark a very dangerous situation from his followers. And that is so terrifying to me. President Joe Biden spoke at a DNC event in Philadelphia, and I want to take a look at a couple moments from it, kind of getting a sense of what his campaign message is going to be when he announces his re-election bid, which seems to be pretty uh, inevitable. And so we're going to walk through these and get a sense of what this message will be. Take a look. You know, as of this month, we've created 12 million new jobs. We've created more new jobs in two years than any president did in their entire term. That's because of you. The strongest two years of growth in history by a long shot. 3.4% unemployment, the lowest in 54 years. The last time employment was this low was, unemployment was this low was in 1969, in May of 69. Think about that. What's more, black and Hispanic unemployment is near record lows. More Americans applied to smart small businesses, more Americans, in two years than any year on record. The biggest investment in American infrastructure since Eisenhower's administration, interstate highway system. Our roads, our highways, bridges, ports, airports, clean water systems, high-speed internet, rail, lower health care costs and lower prescription drug prices. Not only including that $35 a month for insulin, but come January of next year, what we've already passed, no senior will have to pay more than $2,000 a year for their prescription. So I do think kind of the message will be when I got into the office, the economy was still in a lot of pain. And yes, we, excuse me, we dealt with inflation, but it's coming down. And that was a natural aftermath of 
the massive investments into the economy the government had to do during COVID to keep people afloat, plus the corporate price gouging on top of that. And it's coming down, plus jobs numbers are incredible. And as we've talked about, the president doesn't have complete authority over all these different things, but in campaign mode, of course, good things will be something they completely take credit for and bad things not. But um, it matters to people and the president is largely associated in the minds of a lot of voters with the performance of the economy. So that as a core part of his campaign and then also the successes there, the achievements of infrastructure investment and the healthcare related items that I do absolutely think were good and the climate change investment as as well as other things um i think will be effective and an important part of this as well i've talked about i'm not super excited about the prospect of biden again facing off with trump that's just terrifying but since he is this is kind of my analysis of the message itself um but here's another important part of the upcoming campaign likely we're up wages are up inflation is down and COVID no longer controls our lives. But now the extreme MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives have made it clear they intend to put it all at risk. They intend to destroy. No, I'm not a joke. When I, look, you may remember when during the off-year election, I started talking about MAGA Republicans and democracy. And a lot of you thought, what the hell is he talking about? Why isn't he talking about A, B, C, or D specific issue? Well, guess what? They intend to destroy the pro This is not your father's Republican Party. No, really, think about it. These aren't conservatives. These aren't conservatives. These are disruptive people. They intend to destroy the progress we made. Folks, as I said, this is not your father's Republican Party. Just take a look at what they're doing. They campaigned on fiscal responsibility. But the first bill to pass the House of Representatives added $114 billion to the deficit. First one. And it, it's so true that so many issues matter, but if we don't have our democratic process, if we don't have the legitimacy um, and confidence in that process, then we're not able to use our democracy, use our political process to address those issues, right? So that has to come number one. And I do think centering that message seemed to work in the midterms to the Democrats' favor and will likely work in this upcoming election as well. Let me know what you think of all this. Luke P. Beasley on Twitter. George Santos has <laughs> done it again. And this one is quite strange. Here from Bloomberg. Add a Broadway producer to the long list of George Santos's fabrications. While uh, running for Congress in 2021, Santos told some potential donors he was a producer on the musical Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> According to people familiar with the discussions, that show, which ran from 2011 to 2014, was an ill-fated production that lost tens of millions of dollars and suffered from technical mishaps and actor injuries. The lead producer, Michael Cole, denied Santos's involvement, saying uh, through an assistant that he wasn't a producer on the musical. Santos's name also never appeared in the playbills for the show. A spokeswoman for Santos referred questions to his lawyer, who did not uh immediately respond so now he's saying or in the past he said to potential donors yeah i was a producer on spider-man turn off the dark that was me and it just wasn't true he has an issue he has a real real issue 
and uh, doesn't mean he's not responsible for the things he's saying. He is, and he absolutely should not be in Congress, but also he has a major problem because who just lies about that many random things? No one cares if you were or weren't a producer on that uh, on the Broadway show, Spider-Man, but it just seems he needs to. When deciding, I can say a perfectly fine fact about myself that's true or a fact that's just as random that's not true. I'm going to pick the random, not true fact seven days a week. Wow. Well, uh, Mitch McConnell seems to be punishing Rick Scott for attempting to oust him as leader of the Republicans in the Senate and has taken him off of committee. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has pulled Senator Rick Scott, who tried to oust him as the Senate's top Republican in a bruising leadership race, off the powerful Commerce Committee. McConnell also removed Senator Mike Lee, who supported Scott's bid to replace McConnell as leader from the Commerce Panel, which has broad jurisdiction over a swath of federal agencies. The GOP leader insisted last year that he didn't take the attempt to end his leadership uh, reign personally, but the latest move sends a clear message to conservatives that challenging McConnell's leadership carries a cost. So, of course, I mean, he's not going to just allow people to challenge his leadership and not have any punishment take place. Um, but as a side note, I very much dream of the day when old Mitch McConnell is no longer a political figure. Now, the unfortunate part about it is as bad as he is, whoever's going to be next based on the trends we're seeing in the Republican Party might be a whole lot worse, which actually is terrible uh, to think about. Last story we'll talk about today, the Trump campaign seems to be planning their response to Ron DeSantis's kind of core, or one of his core critiques of Trump. One of them is not what we're talking about today, but one of them I pick up on being DeSantis is a winner. Look, he won his gubernatorial race and Trump is a loser. So I'm radical, but I'm a winner. Whereas Trump's radical, but he's a loser. But I use the word radical because that's what they seem to be competing about. Who can be more radical? Who can be more conspiratorial? And so DeSantis has decided because Trump can't be completely anti-vax because he feels one of his accomplishments, which this is one of the good things that he's done, um, one of the rare good things he did, was push for the um, vaccine to be produced and support that process. That was good. And because of that, Trump can't just say, I'm an anti-vaxxer, even though I supported the vaccine being produced, right? And so DeSantis is kind of attacking him or preparing to attack him on that, setting himself um, next to Trump differently in that way and trying to make the MAGA base go, oh, maybe DeSantis is an even more Trumpy Trump in that sense. And Trump's team, as the New York Times outlines here, is preparing a counteroffensive, we'll say. Allies of former President Donald J. Trump long ago determined it was politically unwise for him to publicly claim credit for his administration fast-tracking the coronavirus vaccines. Even though the effort branded Operation Warp Speed is widely viewed as among his administration's biggest successes. In December 2021, Mr. Trump was taken aback by the boos he received from an ardently pro-Trump audience after he told them he had taken a coronavirus booster shot. 
the boast has since vanished from his speeches, and now Mr. Trump is trying to blunt Mr. DeSantis' perceived advantage with the anti-vaccine base in a sign of how toxic the conversation about the coronavirus vaccines has become. Within the GOP, Mr. Trump's allies are building a file of opposition research on Mr. DeSantis that consists of videos of him praising the vaccine in its early days. A Trump ally involved in the effort who insisted on anonymity to discuss their plans said the footage included Mr. DeSantis taking delivery of some of the first vaccines in America and news B-roll of DeSantis presiding over vaccinations of elderly people. To emphasize the point, the Trump ally texted several photographs of Mr. DeSantis standing over a woman getting vaccinated. He personally wheeled her to get jabbed, the ally added, sending another photograph of Mr. DeSantis pushing an older woman in a wheelchair. So the plan from the Trump campaign is when DeSantis says Trump support the vaccine, the vaccine's bad. The Trump team will go, well, you did too, which is such a strange moment we're going to be in where two individuals are trying to, in the weirdest way possible, argue for why they didn't support as much as the other person said a life-saving vaccine. It is bizarre, and it shows you the strength of the anti-vax movement within the uh, MAGA base and the strength of MAGA within the Republican base, and it is all quite concerning, to say the least. That is all we have for today's bonus show. If you want to get weekly this bonus show, as well as just generally be supporting what we do here and get the full video version of the show long before all the clips are uploaded uh, to YouTube, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash Luke Beasley, and there is a link in the description. Thank you all, and I'll see you on the Monday show.